0: On February 16th, in an email sent by the Washington College administration had announced that the college is now a four-year residency campus where all students are expected to live on campus full-time for the start of the 2021-2022 academic year and the entirety of their college experience, with no off-campus non-dorm housing available for upperclassmen and other housing and dining exemptions yet to be announced. In response, Senior and Secretary of the Student Government Association, Isabella Sanzanelli, created the petition to preserve housing rights at Washington College, which seeks to, according to the accompanying description on the document, address how this new policy, because of its lack of effective transparent communication between the administration and the student body, it, quote, disrupts the lives of so many students that are already living off campus or feel that it will in the future, as well as acknowledge how students, quote, deserve to have the freedom to choose our housing based on how we feel will contribute most positively to our college experience. Today, I will be talking with SGA President Elizabeth Lilly and SGA Secretary Isabella Sanzanelli about what these changes will mean for the student body, what the petition seeks to confront on this initiative, and what lies ahead in the process. I'm your host, Olivia Montez, and this is Washington College Weekly. My guests today are Seniors SGA President Elizabeth Lilly and SGA Secretary Isabella Sanzanelli. Elizabeth, Izzy, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Thank you for having me.
0: So describe how you first heard or came into contact with this announcement by the Washington College administration.
1: So there have been a lot of conversations around a four-year residency model for Washington College. Ideologically, that's just something that some people do prefer, from smaller institutions to enhance the sense of community. So this has been a conversation that's been going on for a long time. Most notably, last year it came up again, and there was a lot of student disapproval. And so they had decided, okay, let's take a step back from this. Let's think about um, a more long-term plan, what needs to really be done to address some of the student concerns or some of the differences in perspectives or the needs of students with this. And then most recently, I found out the same time as everyone else from the email from Res Life that this was something that administration was actively pursuing again. So with the onset of the pandemic, obviously, our housing policies have become something that are completely different from everything we've done with more people living off campus, some people participating in school remotely from their homes. So we had all kind of taken a step back from the housing discussion, and this email was sort of the onset of that conversation happening again in a very big way.
2: The way that I learned about it was it was kind of in another email that went out. And i gotten some texts from friends who knew that I'm involved in the Student Government Association. And that I've worked with housing in the past and they were like, hey, you know, did you see this? It's on the email. And then that's when I went to go look at the email and I saw they made that announcement.
0: And Izzy, how did this influence you to create the petition?
2: I created the petition because I wanted to encourage students to be an advocate for themselves and what they want to see on campus. That's what the Student Government Association is all about, trying to help students to advocate for themselves, the policies they want to see, the school they want to be in, students to join the Student Government Association to kind of, you know, to not be involved. And that's exactly what this petition was aimed to do to um, express their concerns. Elizabeth, for
0: those who are still disoriented on what exactly the college plans to do by instigating this residential policy, can you summarize what the administration aims to achieve with these four-year residency policy and what exactly is at stake for students?
1: Yes, it's been ongoing for a while. It had not been very concrete until around this time last year. When just like a lot of students were involved in the conversation, I think most upperclassmen remember this, just a lot of student uproar around how a lot of people didn't like the policy. We wanted to steer away from it about how people wanted to see improvements from res halls, different things like that. And, and so we kind of took a back seat. The pandemic happened. We took an even further backseat because there were other things to address. And now it's coming into focus again. So it had happened just with a little bit less concreteness before, I guess is how I would put it. So the four-year residency requirement would obviously still have exceptions. There's still things, whether it's non-traditional students, commuters, students who just have needs that cannot be met by a residential experience. Those things will still be accommodated, even if it becomes mandatory for all four years with this policy being in place. However, it would remove some opportunities that students have had in the past to just live off campus because they want to live off campus. Sort of that blanket exception of if you are a junior or senior with a certain GPA, you just automatically get approved. That won't be there anymore. And the idea behind it or the motivation behind it is that this will create stronger senses of community. This will encourage more connection on campus. Everybody will be eating together, living together, experiencing the college experience together. That's sort of what the rationale, like where they're coming from with this. And it is something that previously Washington College had unofficially practiced. We just had more people living on campus rather than off campus. But with enrollment numbers increasing, We had to have some people living off campus, and so that kind of became the norm. And now we're moving a little bit more back towards a higher population of students on campus and an eventual mandatory living on campus.
0: And as we have witnessed throughout the course of this year, the lack of effective transparency between the WAC administration and student body was even covered in detail throughout the narrative journalism podcast, Transparency Trap, which was released earlier this semester. How does this announcement further solidify this lack of communication as being a significant problem on campus? And how does this continuance of not being in the loop regarding these decisions further impact the students?
1: Personally, I don't see any objective issue with the four-year residency requirement. If that is ideologically what a college chooses to do, that is perfectly acceptable to me. However, the method at which this was communicated was ineffective because it did not explain the implications of a four-year residency model. It did not respond to concerns that students had both about the residency model and about the enactment of this policy during a pandemic it did not go into detail on what students could do if they had concerns. I know a lot of people have had very unconventional housing situations this past year, whether that's leases with weird time frames or living with friends or family members or different things like that, and so it didn't necessarily address how students would be able to have such a transition back into normalcy that was really no one really knows what to expect. And so I think that while the policy itself doesn't have necessarily objective problems, the way in which it was communicated presented a lot of concern for students because housing is such an influential part of the student experience. It impacts your physical well-being, your safety, your mental well-being, perhaps your academic well-being. There are a lot of things that students need to know about this policy, so while In essence, it might be a perfectly acceptable policy. It was definitely something that students didn't really know how to handle because we didn't have the information or the tools to process it and to respond to it effectively, both on a large scale and also just individually. The announcement was not thorough enough to explain all of the different factors involved in housing decisions and in changing expectations around housing, because even if hypothetically, it was perfectly communicated to us that this was the expectation, or even if it was never communicated that we should expect exemptions or the ability to live off campus, this was still based on implications, conversations, just the uncertainty of our time right now. Not enough information was communicated in order for us to actually process this information and apply it and determine what the right next steps were for each student individually.
2: I'd have to say that I knew this policy was something the school had thought about in the past. I knew that mainly through my position in the Student Government Association. I know some others had heard about it through other positions they may have, like whether it's in Greek life or something like that, where they have connections to administrators who might have also known about this policy was something that they were looking to do in the future. However, I agree that that email definitely could have been communicated better and a little bit more straightforward.
0: And as of this February, over a third of students currently enrolled at WAC have signed the petition, affirming that, as the petition has stated in its introductory paragraph, quote, you share these values and are dedicated to ensuring the liberty of students to choose their own housing arrangements. What does it tell you or mean to you when you see that growing number of people sign their names on this document?
1: I think it means that college students now really value the benefits of independence Personal responsibility and personal growth that come with the opportunity to live off campus. So I've lived on campus all four years just because of how situations have worked that's been most convenient for me, but I have had opportunities to live on my own throughout summer jobs and things like that, and there are a lot of th- benefits that you can gain from having that experience. It teaches you a lot about how to be self-sufficient, how to prepare yourself for the real world. And also, it just gives you a little bit more control and agency over your life. And so I think that, again, back to that philosophical difference, some people see a lot of benefit in a four-year residency requirement. And I think a lot of our students, at least those who have signed the petition, see a lot of benefit in being able to have that level of agency and independence and self-determination that comes with the decision to live off campus.
2: I'm delighted that students are advocating for themselves. I believe that students definitely have the right and the responsibility to themselves to advocate for policies that they need and that they wish to see on campus. We all wanna see our campus become the manifestation of what we hoped it would be. You know, That's why we chose four years at Washington College, is why we chose a small independent liberal arts college. And I think it's been doing well. We have administrators agree to meet with us. We're meeting weekly now to discover ways in which we can reconcile the differences of what the students want, what the administration is pushing for, especially with the imminent concerns of COVID-19 and how that might affect the coming fall semester as it has the whole last year almost now. And we've been able to work really efficiently with them. With all this
0: in mind, what do you believe are the next steps? And with housing applications and set due dates currently in place, what do you estimate will be accomplished by this time, or at least noticed?
1: I think that there's a lot of room for compromise with this decision. If the college is dead set philosophically on this four-year residency model, then there are ways to do that that still allow for some amount of self-determination. For instance, Western Shore Dorms are pretty great in terms of your level of privacy, of independence. If they had a fully functional kitchen, it would essentially be apartment living, which is a lot of what students want. They want to be able to cook for themselves and exist for themselves, have their space for themselves. And so there could be levels of compromise in which Washington College provides options for apartment-style living. That could give the benefit of a little bit more independence and self-determination, but also have students still living on campus or living very, very close to campus. I also think that in terms of the progression into this model of the four-year residency requirement, I think that improvements need to be made to residence halls and to dining services. Just in terms of infrastructure, comfort, livability, accommodations, and accessibility, I think that a lot of improvements need to be made to these facilities. And I think that that's definitely a next step within this compromise and within this plan. I don't know. It's possible that enrollment numbers will skyrocket and we won't even have enough space on campus for everybody. So maybe the four-year residency model won't even be sustainable in that way. Nobody can really tell, but that is a potential possibility down the road for the future. In terms of communication, this year has been incredibly difficult in a lot of ways and so all of our already existing issues of transparency and communication have been exacerbated to incredible degrees. I think that a big part of the issue with this communication was that it felt like students were being blindsided primarily because we didn't have the luxury of planning for this since last year. So if communications had started last year after they decided to postpone the decision for the four-year residency requirement, then I think a lot of the current confusion and frustration and discontent could have been avoided because we could have planned for this, we could have set ourselves up in a way that made on-campus living accessible to people, beneficial for students, and that... The imposition of this residency requirement would not have had as great of an impact. That doesn't excuse the faults of individuals trying to communicate with us, but I think that it definitely explains why it got so bad, or at least partially explains. I think that ultimately students need to remain in these discussions and in these decisions. So I keep going back to if somebody had reached out to the SGA and said, this email is coming out, how do you think students would react? I feel that we as students would be perfectly equipped to present some of the concerns before they got presented to the entire student body and address those concerns before they became questions. So I think that really capitalizing on the relationships already in place to voice concerns and answer questions before they become widespread could be particularly helpful. That's probably not the best answer, but it is one thing that could potentially help. I think that there are a lot of ways that we can tackle this and a lot of ways that this issue of transparency and communication need to be tackled, but there's a lot going on right now. And so I think that it's just all piling on top of each other. There are a few members of SGA who are currently participating in weekly meetings with Deans Fireherm and Krikorian. So through those meetings, We want to both focus on the immediate. There are a lot of different considerations of how we're going to tackle the fall, especially with regards to pandemic-related concerns that hopefully will not be present in the years to come as we are moving forward through this residency model. And so those are some of our just like initial points of communication. However, these meetings are designed to also address some of those long-term goals. So in the future. Even if we do have, even with the four year mandatory residency model, as I mentioned, there are going to be some necessary exceptions. And so it's isolating exactly what those exceptions are, how they get determined, making sure that we can be equitable and consistent in administering those exceptions. I think also bringing up the bigger concerns about infrastructure and addressing those. So finding ways that we can invest in our residence halls and fund improvements of our residence halls also finding ways that we can change or improve our dining services in order to be more accommodating towards individuals of different dietary habits or religious restrictions or allergies, things like that. I think that there are a lot of opportunities for investment and improvement and change within the facilities that we have. And that is going to be ongoing forever, because as soon as one thing is renovated, another thing is going to be old enough to be in need of renovation. So I think that those are some of the initial conversations we're having in terms of making spaces more comfortable and accommodating for students.
2: I think that we've definitely made do with the unfortunate situation like not being able to meet in person. We have weekly Zoom meetings that happen every Friday where Dean Fireherm and Greg Cory meet with a group of representatives from the Student Government Association. And one of the reasons I also made that petition was because I wanted to gauge the student interest. I would never advocate for just on my independent beliefs. I want to make sure this is something that is representative of the student body as a whole. And that I'm advocating for the student population. But yeah, working forward with those meetings, I think our deadline to get an official plan out is April 1st, but they, so far, we I think it's been working pretty efficiently. I'm trying to look just to next semester because my position will not allow me to go past the next few weeks. I think my official last day is April 9th, and I'm not allowed to reapply because I'm graduating. So I want to see this through as far as I can in the current capacities that my position allow. And I want to pass down this information and the advocacy work and representing the student body the best we can to whoever then fulfills my position. I'm already working on transition documents and ways to kind of fill them in on all the responsibilities of this position, and I hope whoever takes it after is just as committed to ensuring, you know, the best student life they had on campus.
0: Well, Elizabeth, Izzy, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. This was great. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me.
0: As of the release of this episode, housing applications for fall 2021 and spring 2022 housing are open and will continue to be available until April 9th. Through here, students can select their roommate, building, and dorm room preferences. Room selection will officially begin in mid-April, with rising seniors and juniors scheduled for April 13th to the 14th, rising sophomores for April 15th to the 16th, and incoming freshmen for April 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Both housing applications and exemption forms can be found under the housing portal in the email sent by Residential Life on March 8th. Decisions concerning housing exemptions will be made and sent via email on April 1st. For next week, we will be hearing from Dr. Kathleen Vareville, biology associate professor of the biology chair in Washington College titular biology department on campus about the recent developments made concerning available COVID-19 vaccines within the U.S., the science behind it, and how it might impact the future of our college community and larger nation. This has been Washington College Weekly. I'm your host, Olivia Montez, and I will see you next week.